This piece represents uh, languages coming together to play off one another, but also to extend one's perception. Roger Feldman and Jeff Roberts created the sound and sculpture installation, The New Landscape, Reconstructed Ecologies, in 2017 for the Jack Straw New Media Gallery. I sat down with Roger in the Jack Straw studio, and Jeff joined us via Skype to talk about the piece, the relationship between the literal and the abstract, and how their collaboration took shape. As one enters the doorway into the gallery, you're confronted with a long, flat plane, 16 feet long, 10 feet high. First thing you see is more on the abstract side of grass plains. Straight ahead is a curved wall with a landscape and these leaning trees and rich greens, and they uh, appear to be way in the distance. If you turn to the right, there's a giant cedar tree. Uh, as you move beyond a, a curved wall that's immediately in your path, suddenly you're open into a visual environment that is reminiscent of the Alberta grasslands, which is right across from that big flat plain. There's the sound of wind, and the wind is in about a two-minute loop of field recording that has different lulls and gusts. And what changed you here when you move through that space, um, the sensor is pointed right at you. Of course, you can't see the sensors or the beams. But as you move more into that space, um, what happens is a subtle change between the sound of wind and a sound of resonance from cooking pots, which has a very quiet, interesting resonance sound that is kind of mimicking the rises and falls of the winds. And so if you progress in that direction uh, towards the deep landscape, it's actually a curved wall that is countered by another curved wall that folds into it. And you move into this space that allows you to uh, move between those two curved walls, almost like doing an S or an 8, a figure 8, so that as you move into that other space, you're suddenly closer to the environment and you're in a deep forest. There's a sound of a, a running stream, and water destination was the, one of the ideas that we were trying to communicate, that when you walk into a forest, maybe you walk through open plains and space and forest, but you know there might be a kind of an intimate, secluded point in a quiet forest where um, it's completely still, but maybe the, the sound of a stream is, is the you know, captivating sound element that makes it feel so special. And then uh, as you progress, you're suddenly in the, the deep, dark rainforest. So fallen logs and slanted trees that are covered with moss. And it's relatively dark because it's creating a canopy that you can't see beyond. And you're also hearing sounds of dripping water from off the ends of branches and needles and so forth. So. The, the sound environment is mimicking what you're experiencing visually. The two of you were working on both a literal realm and an abstract realm when you were creating this piece. How is that kind of work different from what you might find in a museum with a traditional landscape painting? Uh, walking into a museum and looking at a painting is different than walking into this piece where all the walls are bigger than you and you are encompassed in this environment uh, that is referencing different kinds of landscape. 
and you, the viewer, get to make choice about which direction to head and, and so forth. And then uh, that connecting with sounds and the associations with sounds that are already built into your memory banks is trying to make this a more robust, multi-sensory experience. Most of the time, you're not experiencing or interacting with a kind of a broad sweep perspective of a landscape with a distant horizon. And uh, like in landscape paintings, you're interacting um, locally with the small details of the sounds, whether you're passing through a bog or a forest. And that's sort of the real experience of landscape. And so, you know, Roger's focus on texture and my focus on those intimate sounds is really zoomed in on the, I would say, in some ways, the reality of engaging with that natural environment. And in fact, I think that that's what a lot of people do um, when they want to go to nature is they want to reconnect with that local intimate environment because that's the 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 world that you know all living things evolved in this piece represents uh languages coming together to play off one another but also to extend one's perception so what brought the two of you together to collaborate on this piece we were first introduced to each other's work when we were artists in residence at a residency in wyoming called brush creek Roger was basically making maquettes of designs for installations that were based on the similar landscapes as what I was getting my soundscapes from. So we both thought that was pretty interesting and immediately found a resonance with each other. And And then when I learned about what he did, and I saw him several times out like in a stream waiting for a rock to turn in the river with microphones on it, so he would could collect the sound, and I and I thought, okay, there might be an overlap here. So our interest, our common interest, was in sound, and uh, somehow affecting the visual environment because of sound. So I think that was the impetus for us uh, collaborating and getting together. Roger remembers what I said to him. You said that uh, you can extend space with sound, and I said, oh yeah. Prove it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, so it was a uh, he was challenging me. So this is this. I guess this installation ultimately started out as a challenge to me. <laughs> Love it. A collaboration that began as a dare. Yeah. When did the piece begin to take shape? About a year later, Jeff flew down to Seattle from Edmonton, or me. I think he was coming from Seoul, Korea, at that point. By that time, I had developed some initial maquettes scale models of what it would be like for a viewer to move through space. And uh, he came down and we went out to the Olympic National Rainforest and did recordings for a day. He took those back with him to uh, Edmonton. Meanwhile, I developed a maquette based on imagery from that one trip and then created a a finished maquette scale model. So that um, began this association and relationship, and we had something tangible that we could take to galleries, museums, or whatever, and try to find a venue. And then somebody told me about Jack Straw, actually a person that had shown here. We didn't have any, um, any proof in the pudding yet. We didn't have anything to say because we hadn't had the opportunity to work together. So, you know, it seemed like a fit when we applied for it, but it was just a real delight to get that email to see that we had the opportunity to finally work together. 
this was an incubator. This was a first try to learn from it and to see if we could make it work. So this, this was a great opportunity for both of us. Thank you, Jack Straw. What drew you to make both abstract and literal representations of these landscapes? Uh, I think the literal part, uh, the majority of any culture is going to be attracted to things that are representational. Uh, abstract is more difficult to deal with, especially without a cultural background to understand where it's coming from and to understand the language and, and so forth. And that's universal. You start with something that might be a li literal, and at what point can you add something or morph into something that sounds similar to it or is, is imitating it but is, is still different? And so that interaction is the thing that I'm trying to – or that somewhat grays area or boundary is the, is the thing that I'm trying to subtly move back and forth between, especially with the sensors in the, in the installation. There are proximity sensors that – will pick up body movements through the installation. And what I tried to do was to get a, a subtle level of change so that the sounds of rain slowly morph into these small little paper rips or you know tapping with chopsticks so that um, imitating that sound uh, and then making that subtle transition so the listener doesn't know where, doesn't necessarily notice it immediately, but does notice some sort of change. And then from that point, having a, a scale of much greater change. Likewise, in uh, the painting aspect, there are sections that are completely abstract. Uh, if you didn't get a larger context, you would say, what the heck is that? And then uh, moving deeper, you would see something that's representational and make associations. You would bring your own vocabulary to it. But uh, as you move through the experience, there are both going on at the same time. And I'm interested in sort of drawing the person into a mystery, but not necessarily showing them how they got there. And I think that's kind of part of the wonder of kind of uh, making that subtle transition that you're, you're sort of wondrous or amazed that suddenly something's changed and you don't quite know when that change started. So, and that, again, is, is very intimate, just like these intimate ideas of interacting with the local details of landscape. The abstract stuff causes mystery. You have to interpret. You have to make sense. Roger, I noticed in one part of the installation, there's a, a part where the audio and the visual come together in a tactile and very visible manner. I think there's a sensor that is placed on one of the trees, mm -hmm. and it creates, to me, almost a knothole yes. in the tree. Yeah. How did you feel about having that sort of visual of the audio participate in the visuals that you were creating? It is an extension of what the whole thing is trying to do, uh, become three-dimensional in your ears <laughs> as well as your vision. Not only were the two of you working together to create this installation, but Jesse Minkert from Arts and Visually Impaired Audiences was also brought on board, and he connected you with students who participated in the installation as well. I know that the students recorded text that you provided that was played in the gallery and that some maquettes were made as well. Can you talk about that? One group that came in was a group of blind individuals, young kids. Wind over plane. Glass. And uh, one of the things I, I learned from Jack Straw, specifically Jesse, is that he could make a wax outline 
of where the walls were within the gallery so that students could feel with their fingers what they would experience as they walked in. That's huge. Uh, Just to be able to understand our visual environment through touch and to understand to scale what, what it might feel like. So with uh, Jasper, we talked about how we used found object sounds to create uh, imitations of the real sounds. So he and I sat in front of the microphone and did sort of a improvisation together. We used the found object sounds to create uh, imitations of the real sounds. And then we worked with the texts that Roger had come up with and uh, had some fun with them afterwards. We went into the sound installation and I put up the sounds on the um, computer and started manipulating them. So I ended up changing some of our sounds uh, into wind sounds, rubbing, you know, stones against stones or something like that. And, um, and I changed Jasper's words and voices into different um, bird sounds. His ability to kind of experience and interact with sound, even the sound of his own voice and hear those transformations, I think, is just a natural extension of his, I would say, call it creative play that um, is now extended into the digital world. What was your collaboration with Jack Straw's engineer, Doug Hare? Doug was great. I mean, Doug's very much on the same wavelength of, um, you know, found objects or kind of experimental um, work. He sat down with us and listened to our concepts and, and, you know, visited our, we put up an initial website that explained our our concepts and he saw some of my uh, software that I had written in MaxMSP and, you know, when I pulled up new software, he saw how you know I had developed and changed it. So I think at that initial stage, it was really good to have somebody there who could really latch on very quickly and understand the dynamics of, of what we were trying to achieve. And I think in the future, um, you know, staying in touch with Doug from that experience is you know going to be he's going to be a great resource and collaborator as as in the future for advice as we move forward with um with new projects so yeah it was it was a really amazing experience i would like to say thank you jack straw and crew for all you did to support the project and to uh, allow us to experiment and try and uh and we will take this into our futures and just thank you for that gift i think this is a is a great organization that supports some very interesting avenues for uh, creative work, especially in the multimedia gallery that um, otherwise might not be able to happen. So, um, yeah, I second exactly what Roger said. And thanks so much, Jack Straw and everybody there. Roger Feldman and Jeff Roberts, The New Landscape, Reconstructed Ecologies, was created through the Jack Straw New Media Gallery Residency Program. Podcast interviewer is Alyssa Keene. Produced by Alyssa Keene and Joel Maddox. Engineers are Daniel Gunther and Joel Maddox. Jack Straw Executive Director is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Artist Residency Programs are made possible with support from the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Additional thanks to our media sponsor, KUOW.